0: And a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Steve Huber. Steve graduated from Westminster Theological Seminary in 1997 and moved to the Fairmont neighborhood of Philadelphia to begin Liberty Church in the summer of 2002. He currently serves as the director of the Liberty Network and as the lead pastor of the Liberty River Wards Congregation. I give you Steve Huber. Steve, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's good to be here. So you are, we're in your house, which is fun. A lot of times I do this remotely. We're looking out at the gorgeous view onto near Gerard Street. And the first thing I noticed was the sign on your window, FedEx, please don't leave packages on my (laughs)
1: sticker. We've been donating a lot of packages to the greater Philadelphia community. Is that um, like a sort
0: of Bernie Sanders, like Green Party thing? They redistribute the packages. <laughs> hey, this package. There's been
1: could... some package redistribution. A lot of packages have been stolen off Stoops recently this summer.
0: I've lost a but, few uh, bikes yeah. in Philadelphia to the Philadelphia transportation redistribution. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> your, sure. your bike should be it'd be better for somewhere else. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So just for a second, tell us your preaching context. We're here. You you are a the director of the Liberty Network and the... Founder of Liberty River Ward, which is in the sort of center of Philadelphia in the northeast edge.
1: Yeah, the River Wards. Uh, so we actually changed our name to Liberty River Wards. Uh, Fishtown, Northern Liberties, uh, Kensington, which we're, we're on the edge of like old Kensington right now, right in between. Right, you know, connected to Northern Liberties and, and Fishtown. So, yeah, that's where we're at. So when you look up in the congregation, what do you see in Snapshot? Twenty
0: seconds. What's it look
1: like? What's it look like? It's mostly people who've moved here over the last twenty years, um, but we have we have some long term residents too. Um, this this neighborhood has a great history, a long history of multi generational families, uh, but we're we're a congregation of mostly uh, newer residents. You know, hipsters, professionals who are connecting here in Center City. Uh, people come in here for school and we have a lot of people who are Christians and want to be a part of the community of Jesus. And, uh, th- and this, I love people who are exploring Jesus. People are like dipping their toe in the water.
0: Everybody wants that. There was uh, Cory Booker in the last democratic debate said to Joe Biden "In my community, they say, uh, uh, they say it like this, you're dipping your finger in the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. So that's maybe the thing. They're dipping, and that's great. You'll tell them the Jesus flavor. There you go. So our first text for today, the first election, as they say, is Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 7. And here we got Isaiah talking about uh, what's going on in Israel. And Martin Luther says, basically, when you look at, uh, I think it's in his preface, Isaiah, you look at the people, uh, what's going on internationally, what they're doing with their money, and what they're doing with you know the poor and religion, and you, you got the prophets. <laughs> sure. So here we got this talk of the vineyard and it it seems like it's not bearing fruit and God's going to do some gardening and the gardening is going to look, you know, it might get worse before it gets better.
1: (laughs) It is definitely going to get worse. Yeah. God's people are the vineyard and we hear the heart of God in the poetry. When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Why did this vineyard planting the God is saying, I planted, I tended. Why are God's people not bearing the fruit that they're called to? Um, looked it up. The, the ESV study notes note that the wild grapes could also be translated sour grapes or like bad, like spoiled grapes, basically. And the bottom line is the fruit's not there. And so now God is going to let judgment happen to his his people, uh, God is actually going to let judgment happen, and ultimately that that judgment falls on Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, correct? Because you got Assyria is probably the thing that they're worried about, and ultimately be their demise. Because Assyria's foreign policy is changing from sort of, hey, uh, sort of the mafia plan of you pay us off and protection, we'll protect you. To hey let's just go in and raise, the, you know, like, let's, right. it's, it's breaking kneecaps is better, right? And so, because uh, it, it, it's interesting, though, because they're also promised hope, right? That that uh, ultimately in Isaiah, that there will be a new legacy. Yes, um,
1: What God's people, the fruit that is not produced there, God is ultimately going to act himself, God, God's looking for justice, but behold, he sees bloodshed for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. And now God himself is going to come do it, which of course is it's Jesus. Uh, John 15, Jesus saying, I am the true vine. My father is the, the vine dresser. Then verse five, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can't do nothing. So ultimately the judgment, for everything that God hates, that we do, and that God's people are doing here, that judgment falls on Christ, and ultimately the fruit comes through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the true vine.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting, too. I feel like the the when things are bad, right, and the judgment, like we're reading Isaiah, right, and you can read our lives this way in Christ, when things are going bad, uh, Christ bears the judgment, right? And so that's our hope when we don't know any sense. You know, why does this happen? Who knows? There's like Deuteronomy 29, 29, right? The, the secret things belong the The promise. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the promises are real, belong to you and your children forever. And also Israel's hope in Isaiah, like when they talk about the root of Jesse and there'll be a new king. And But also that's not Jesus. It, it, what happens will point to Jesus. So the, 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 the suffering there, right? <laughs> it's not ultimate suffering, nor are the good things the ultimate good things. Uh, right. Because Jesus... Will bear the judgment and also be the ultimate king, and I feel like that's such an orient, uh, like an orienting kind of point, right, for the Christian life. Like, our our bad days in Christ are not the final no, right? Christ is the yes to all the promises. But also the good days, I, I feel like we're addicted to. We always confuse the good created thing for the Creator. No, no, no. Even if it's really gets our best day, our hope. As Jonathan Edwards, I think, is first. Sermon. He was like eighteen, which we could hate him for this, but sure. he had like three points, right? I think the first, like for Christians, like all the bad things can be turned to good. Uh, all the uh, all the good things will only get better, and the best is yet to come, right? And so, from Israel's story, in a place like Isaiah's season of judgment, we can learn that, right? Like on the bad days, Christ—if we trust Jesus—he bears the judgment. And also, on our good days, you know, I heard someone say, "I'm not all that, but I'm all I think about." <laughs> the best is always yet to come
1: yes i there's not direct math the you touched on this lightly but when we say why why is this suffering happening to me you know we're not supposed to say go from isaiah 5 hey suffering is happening and as a judgment therefore suffering in our personal lives is god's judgment no that's been absorbed in jesus um that suffering, if we're in Christ, has been ab- absorbed in Jesus. So, I mean, we can do stupid stuff and be disciplined in a heavenly Father, heavenly fatherly way, Hebrews 12 style, but it's not punitive.
0: I feel like God sounds like a rapper there. I just did you Hebrews 12 style.
1: There you go. Boom. Last time I was talking to someone about this, it was a couple of weeks ago at the pool. Guy I see every year, you know, when the pools finally open here in Philadelphia, everyone comes because, um, the city doesn't have a lot of money and they open late in the summer. And a guy's like, I believe in Jesus. I'm connected to Jesus. I have no idea why though all my life is a constant beatdown. down. My, all these terrible things have happened. And I say, why? And God doesn't promise to do the math for us. He doesn't promise to whiteboard. I, you know, what, what? What do you say to a guy like that? I, I tried to say with sincerity in my eyes, I don't know why. and I don't think God promises that we'll know why. But can we look together at Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. Can we look, you know, look to him? And we know God entered this world of suffering and took our punishment in our place. So, yeah, God's not pummeling you in a punitive way, Um on the bad days or the good days, look to Jesus. It, yes, it, on and everywhere and everywhere in between, I would guess. But and when when things when uh, yeah when things go well, when you you know something great happens, we need to look to Jesus too. Yeah, it's a different danger. Yeah,
0: check yourself before you wreck yourself. Thank you, Scott. On to Hebrews 11. Speaking of Hebrew style, like Gagnum style, Hebrew style. Hebrews 11, 29, 12 through 2. This is by faith. I mean, here we go. You know, they pass through the Red Sea as if we're in dry land. And I love how he you know, the author says, you know, Jericho falls, Red Sea. By faith, Rahab the prostitute didn't perish. And what I could go, I, he's like, I could go on and on. We could go to Gideon, Barak, Samson. What do you want me to do there? He's like, it's like one of these preachers, look. I've been slated to preach for 20 minutes. If I had 45, if this was a Keller church, I could go 45 minutes. A longer school PCA, 35, I could name some more. But, you know, it's all by faith. And then he closes with this great cloud of witnesses, which is a very encouraging image.
1: To me, what's striking about this passage is something that you only see if you use the wider frame context, that it's all about people living by faith who have not received what has been promised yet. So Hebrews 10, 36, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Basically, we haven't received what's promised yet. We have to live following God, trusting God. We've received part of what's promised, but we haven't received all of what's promised yet. And you see this again, Hebrews 11, 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. And having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. So all of these, all these awesome things happen. The promise isn't if you have faith, you'll be able to be like a Christian Avenger, you know, and I meant like Avengers movie. They do amazing, you know, it's all going to work out for you. If you
0: could be a Christian Avenger, which Christian Avenger? christianized
1: avenger would you yeah be? i don't you know what man I, I don't want to go there i don't know i'd have to think about that i need a longer podcast uh, but it's a it, good question it, though, it right? is a good question uh we but it's not like it's all going to work out for us this actually to me really paints a helpful picture of the christian life as one of waiting because
0: one of the avengers in endgame doesn't make it out two of them actually
1: <laughs> yes Yes, you're going to... No spoilers. And, and some were eaten by lions, you know. That's also in, in this cloud of witnesses, not... These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Uh, where's that? Eleven, thirteen. Not having received the things promised, having seen them and greeted them from afar. Yeah, we're not... Uh, it's, to me, it's an ultimately hopeful picture of the Christian life because of its realism. It's not. Here are all these amazing witnesses that God did amazing, fruitful, faithful things, and yet they also did that looking ahead to a greater hope.
0: Can I tell you something fascinating? I found that I had no, I had no idea. Not that I'm a huge biblical scholar, but I mean, I've done a little education. So one commentator says that he says this. He says actually the delimination, He's basically. There's five homilies. These are five sermons, and they're all based on Old Testament texts. I didn't know that. And he says it's relatively easy to discern. Well, I guess I would not want to be in his Bible quizzing group. Sure. But he says Hebrews 1 through 5 to 18 is based on Psalm 80, uh, Psalm 8, 4 through 6. You're nodding. You went to Westminster. You're like, oh, yeah, we know this. Hebrews 3 and 4 is based on Psalm 95. Hebrews four through seven is on Psalm two and ten. Eight one through ten thirty one is based on Jeremiah thirty one and Psalm forty, uh, and he says that the fifth homily he thinks you can make a good case is Habakkuk two uh, verses three through four uh, for still the vision awaits its appointed time it hastens to its to the end it will not lie if it seems slow wait for it it will surely come it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. He says the whole thing is just this kind of teasing out of that. And he's midrashing it. He's, you know, this Old Testament tradition used other stories to tell the story of a Bible verse. And so I was like, wow, I didn't know that, but I thought that was very cool.
1: I That is very cool. It's at least this, maybe that... Even if that theory doesn't hold up perfectly, he's at least preaching to a community that was so well versed in those psalms that was the water they swung in. So he's like a the writer of Hebrews is like a DJ that can bring in those notes and mix that in, and people people know what they're hearing. You know, when he if um, ever if you
0: could if we were live streaming this, you would see Steve he's two handing turntable. I, I like I could only do one turntable now. I couldn't even do it well, but.
1: I don't know if I could do the two turntables. I would I try, couldn't.
0: but yeah, that's a really interesting thing. That this, it, it but I thought that was a he really, could
1: put in those notes and people yeah. pick up on it.
0: And that that very th- interesting thing of Habakkuk, like, hey, wait for it, like you're saying, wait for it, you know, Uh it, it's going to come. And the, you know, the guy that's puffed up and, and thinking he sees everything—that's not. No, the righteous live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight.
1: It's. Do you think? I'd love to get your take on this to when people say live by faith, it is seen as an anti-intellectual thing, as if we're supposed to play the faith card when something doesn't make sense, when something is nonsensical. And yet that uh, what's being emphasized here is the timing issue. We live by faith because, hey, this is a, this is a hope that we have, but it's not that it doesn't make sense. But we haven't all we haven't experienced it all yet. We haven't. It's a timing issue yeah, rather I, than a sensibility issue. Yeah,
0: and I think like we all live by faith, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. Like just think of like all right, we think in America the way we treat women is much better than the way the truth is in Saudi Arabia. We would not debate that, m- most people, right? How do we know that? Like there's no empirical thing that says this is but we but you know, even though we can't empirically prove it we say and also we'd even probably say, we think ultimately in the next two hundred years a better path for human flourishing is the way we do it in regard to genders rather than Saudi Arabia. Although we don't, I mean, it could be the handmaid's tale. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, but we're banking, you're banking on, you're putting all your chips self-involvingly on this, even though, you know, it, but it's not irrational. It it, 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 it's something that, Hey, given the data, what God's done in my life, what things are, you know, it, uh, I, I trust this and yet I still have to, but yeah, it's beyond my control.
1: Well, yeah, the, the the concerns for justice ultimately come out of the tr- Christian tradition, right? And the concerns yeah. for like, yeah, we're all made in the image of God. But I think what you're tapping into is the Western idea of progress and, hey, things are getting better. What what does progressive means can mean? Hey, we think things will always get better. That And that, actually, when you look at history— um, uh, that's a pretty big faith statement, right? Yeah. How do we know things are going to get better?
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Coke was perfect. Then they came out with a new formula.
1: Hey man, the beginning of the 20th century, people were really positive about humanity. And then they got sort of beat out of us by a couple of world, world wars.
0: I thought you were going to say then Charlie Chaplin, like talking movies came and it all went down. We had Charlie. Cha-
1: I, I blame it all in the talking movies.
0: So, and also I just love this this great, therefore surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, right? And Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith. I, I, for a couple of years, every year ran the Broad Street Run, like this 10 mile run. And then I came to my senses, but it, it's this, it's my own. The only thing I would run usually longer than three miles because it's like level or mostly downhill. But like when you're in like mile six, you get to city hall. And I mean, the whole way, everybody's cheering you on, but the closer you get to city hall, the, the more the crowd gets. And when you get to city hall, Ed Rendell is there, Ed, the and Ed is there in his shorts and his like tank top and his, his former mayor, governor, former governor, and and his like sweat. And you see Ed Rendell's there, sweating, saying, "You can do it, kid." And you, and that's a, like Jesus. You have Jesus there in the, in the midst of these days And we we you know we don't want to quit. This this the whole church is there saying, "Stay in the game. We're with you. You're not alone."
1: Yes, and we look to Him who endured even endured the cross, despising the shame. Yes, it's right.
0: On to Luke. Probably the passage that most people doing the le- lectionary with their- if they're doing all three readings though, I would guess they won't preach on this.
1: <laughs> or this is if a difficult passage. Or if they're choosing it. Uh, these three uh, short sections. Yeah. So
0: Jesus says, I come to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism, which will which to be baptized. And what stress on He's like, I'm stressed out here. He's talking to his disciples and, uh, he says, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? You know, we're singing all these Christmas songs in December about peace. And now I'm bringing division, father against son, daughter against mother, you know, uh, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. That seems natural. <laughs> that's the one I'm thinking of.
1: That's the one we could say. That's, yeah, that's all. That oh, of sense. course. Of yeah. course.
0: That always says, but then he says to the crowds, I love he says to the crowds, you see a cloud rising in the West and you say, oh, it's going to rain. And we'll, you know, we'll pack up our picnic or whatever. Uh, you you know how to interpret the weather and change your plans and yet the signs are happening and you just keep on going the way
1: things are one way to talk about this passage is that we can speak about the coming of the kingdom in and through Jesus in a way that we Jesus is bringing freedom the Isaiah 60 vision and that is true and also this is a as God is bringing His reign into the world into history, this is a violent thing. This is spiritual battle. This is this is the same guy who flipped over the tables uh, in the ta- in the temple, and this involves torture, the torture and blood and death on the cross and eventual resurrection. This is this is a uh, this is spiritual war. So yeah, it is interesting. He he's anticipating as people believe in Jesus and align themselves with Jesus and trust in Jesus and come in union with Jesus, it will divide families.
0: Yeah. What's interesting too, I think is you look at, you contrast this with John's baptism. John's baptism requires the humiliation of the baptized, right? Like on the front end. And it's like John the Baptist, Paul, I first uh, encountered this thought from Paul Paul's book, the first Christian, which I think is his dissertation kind of, Popularized, but he has this throwaway line. It's this paragraph where I'm like, I can't believe I never thought about this before, but he says, John, like most apocalyptic Jews preached the kingdom of not yet, but soon, not yet, but soon. So get ready, get yourself cleaned up. And if we're clean enough, the kingdom will come. And Jesus changes it to already, but not yet. And so the idea is if God come, if we clean it up and are humiliated, God will come. This is because he says, I've got a baptism, I'm stressed out. Like, what will divide everybody? The humiliation of God. He's the one humiliated, right? And then you fi- you're like, our own uh, response to that is what divides. Because, you know, uh, my friend David Zoll wrote this book, Seculosity. And it's basically saying, like, we're, even if we're a secular society, we think we're less religious, but we just make the religion parenting or politics or the gym because we're self-justifying, we 're all self justifying, want to save ourselves, and Jesus is saying what 's going to divide you is the humiliation of the son, and so it 's not going to be in john 's thing it 's going to be the Jews are all going to be saved, and the Romans are all going to be condemned but he 's saying no, this is going to cut right down the household because do you want to save yourself or do you want to be saved do you, do you, want, do you want do you want to clean yourself up so that you so that through hum, your humiliation you can bring God and, and and your side wins, or do you want to embrace the humiliation of God and get the real humiliation leads to humility that you can't save yourself.
1: Yes. Which is always a scandal, right? That's the first Corinthians two, um, two, actually first Corinthians one and two Christ. The wisdom of the cross is foolishness to the world. And yeah, the humiliation of of God and the son of God is a scandal and it is going to divide as well as save.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, I've been really influenced on all the parable stuff and and the gospels and uh, by Robert Capon, and, and he talks about he has he thinks there's three sequences of parables: the parables of grace, the parables of uh, or the parables of the kingdom, the parables, the parables of grace, and the parables in the passion week of judgment. And he puts this one in the parables of grace, like this little story in the parables of grace section. He says, you know he thinks these are all about death and resurrection. He thinks once the sort of Jesus cross talk starts in Mark eight and all the other passages, he switches to grace, death and resurrection. And here he thinks that it's almost like at the conclusion, he's saying, look, if you see the rain cloud and you had a big wedding banquet planned or a picnic, you'll put it to death, even though you, you were into it, right? You were into it. Like, but you'll say, Hey, we're going to get bored on. And then, you know, our plans are screwed, but we'll party inside. But, when this ultimate thing comes, you can't put your own salvation project, you know, whether it's the sort of ethnic Jewish sort of we're going to get the pagans out in the first century or the parenting project or the religious project. I'm going to build the best damn church and we're all going to be, you know, we're going to be the best attend, attendance, discipling, whatever it is, right, That—that that is our justifying thing. If we won't put that to death so that we can be justified by the one who's baptized for us and includes us in that, is for us and includes us, then, you know, we're, we're, we're missing the weather report.
1: Yeah, that's right. Missing the weather report, not interpreting the times correctly. And the, the last, I mean, the last example, settle up with the judge, settle up with your accuser. That's a horizontal advice, that Jesus is giving. Do that with the people you live with. But ultimately, it's vertical advice, right, with God. Yeah. If God is coming in his kingdom, and let, let's let discern the time now. If God is coming, bringing his kingdom through his son, uh, let's settle up. Even use these common day examples. That's what you do when you're walking down the street with a guy who's really mad at you and about to sue you. You know to do that. Hey, settle up with the King of the Universe, the Living God, Judge. And,
0: and the hardest thing is because it costs nothing. Salvation is free. Is the hardest thing to accept, except because it's sort of like, well, hey,
1: I mean, that's the irony of it. Yeah, exactly. It, it's yeah.
0: the no. I'd rather have it be harder.
1: S- settle it up. Settle up, and all all you have to do is admit you can't settle up and accept that only Jesus Christ crucified justifies you.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. Steve, thanks for doing this with me, my friend.
1: Hey, it was great. I'll great have you be back be on you. soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Synaxis Podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe. Or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Steve for coming on the podcast. And thanks again to you for listening to Synaxis. Until next time, friends, fare
1: thee well.